0: And welcome to NBA Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined, as always, by Justin Verrier. Hi. We are also joined this week by Paolo Ugetty. What's up? Haley is counting her winnings for betting the over on Andre Drummond shooting over 80% from the free throw <laughs> line, so she has moved to the South Pacific for a life of luxury. She'll be back next week. Paolo, welcome. How's it going? It's going well, man, because the NBA has parity now, and that's what we wanted to talk about. Something like that. Any given X day, any team can beat any team. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's kind of fun. It's made the regular season, it's made the early regular season super exciting. And in, along with that, all the teams that we were like, I can't believe we we're forced to watch these teams for six months. I can't believe we're going to have to watch the Pacers. I can't believe we're going to have to watch them. They're good. The bad teams are good now.
1: Yeah, yeah. break up the magic.
0: <laughs> it's like, I was thinking about this earlier, It's kind of like the NFL
2: parody type thing going on you know and it's early in the season so you can't really be like okay this is how it's going to be the entire year but you almost have like the any given night kind of thing where like you don't know if like last night the Jazz could lose to the Suns you know or just like just things like that where you're you're just I don't know what's going to happen tonight and that makes it exciting in itself and it, it creates a sense of parody that We'll
0: probably like flame out by the end of the year, but it's fun in the moment. Probably what every team needs to do is allow Jay Triano to coach their team. (laughs) Jay Triano needs to coach the entire NBA, and all the NBA games would be 89-89.
1: Yeah, the Suns' turnaround has been pretty crazy. I'm looking at the top of the East, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we just assumed that the good teams in the East would just be really good. And I look at the common denominator between the Orlando Magic and the Brooklyn Nets, and they both have a win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. And so <laughs> instead of these teams being good, I think it might be the case that the Cavs might just not be that mm.
0: good. They might not be taking it seriously yet. Although it's worth noting that that Brooklyn win is courtesy of Spencer Dinwiddie's Gritty. Brooklyn it's Nets. My God. Gritty. Yes. That was,
2: they're so fun to watch. Like You look everywhere. They were not playing with D'Angelo Russell last night. Jared Allen, the rookie they drafted, looks really good in the paint. You know, you have Rondé Hollis Jefferson who looks great. Better every, and better every game, and then Spencer Dinwiddie, who turned into like Steph Curry, some all of a sudden. So you sound like Vivek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, they're just like a blast to watch. Which I mean
0: props to Sean Marks and, you know, Kenny Atkinson, I guess. Yeah, the fun thing about them is best offense, worst defense, which is a recipe for, Love like, I, we have to watch this basketball team every night now.
2: Yeah,
1: I think the the commonality between a lot of these teams that are doing well, I mean, I guess not with the Suns, but well, more recently, uh, is that the offense is there. I think if you look at, like, teams that succeed early in the season, it's continuity and then things you can kind of bank on. Uh, if teams are going to be playing faster, if everybody is going to be scoring a lot, I think there might be some more variance in the results there, just because you can hit stretches like this where they're just hitting everything and, and then you could topple a team like yeah abs. they're chucking
0: up a lot of threes which yeah. probably keeps them in games to mm-hmm. some extent they play super fast but the other thing that I like about some of these bad teams like the Magic and like the Nets is that um we got ourselves so lathered up over the summer about expectations because of all these super teams and even teams like even teams like the Timberwolves who were like relatively super you know mm-hmm. and these guys are just like operating completely under the radar. Nobody expected anything from the Magic, but when you watch them you're like, Magic has some dudes? Yeah. And right. if the Ma- and if Aaron Gordon is now a 3-point shooter, the Magic are dangerous. I yeah. think that's the other thing too.
2: Like you have these guys who you can latch on and be like, "Okay, I'm interested in that guy's development." Like with the Nets, you have Russell, with the Magic you have Aaron Gordon who's looked amazing. You know, he's hitting threes now, which is, you know, is going to make them almost unstoppable. So you- having these like kind of cult heroes within every one of these teams also makes them more appealing. And, I mean, you got to give credit to Frank Vogel, I think, too, for putting that team together. And, like, you know, it seemed like a really weird roster, and they've been able to, you know... It's a bizarre roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I was talking about the Hornets like too much yes. in the preseason <laughs> yeah. as a top four seed simply because they were the type of team that could just go in, do their work and be completely average and average was going to take them far in the Eastern Conference because the conference is just so weak. I think I had the right idea, maybe just didn't pinpoint the right teams. The Magic have like a totally fine roster. Alfred Payton hasn't been playing, which I think is actually better for them. Yeah. And I wonder if there is a trade to be made there. I know mm. we're, we could maybe look at Bledsoe, maybe some other guys that might be on the map here. Like it might be weird that they're buyers, but that's the type of team that you get a little bit more there, there might be enough to take a next step forward.
0: I don't it's, even know if the Magic have enough young guys, like they have Isaac, they have Gordon, Elfrid. they mm-hmm. probably, like like you just said, probably found out that they might play better without him and with Fournier running the point right. and Augustine backing him up. I mean, th- this is not like, you're not protecting a bunch of rookies on that team right. anymore. Right.
2: No, and, and also you, you have this thing in the East where you don't know who the bottom like four or five seeds are going to be, so why not go for it? You know, if you're the Magic... Why not go for it? You know, you have a you have like I think Fournier is also a guy who's like you sort of have a guy who can shoot in crunch time kind of thing, which is a really weird thing to say about him, but he's been weirdly clutch the last few games. Yeah. So I think like why not, you know, like you said, trade, go for a trade because Peyton hasn't hasn't been playing much at all. So they, they they might need another piece and they could be like,
0: who knows, a six seed, a seven seed? Also, low key, if you're the magic and let's say you make a playoff run. John Hammond's not bad at picking from the middle of the first round.
1: No, that's a great
0: point. And, and, like, you have to have confidence. John Hammond's new GM in Orlando, like, he's probably like, you know what? I found friggin' Giannis. Yeah. So, yeah. how about we pick 11th or 13th or whatever, and I'll take my chances? Evan
1: Fournier has heard your hair jokes, and he's out for <laughs> retribution. I know.
0: Kevin Never Kevin me. Clark called him my large adult bald son. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, is, this has been an Orlando Magic podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's, get, let's get out of Orlando and go to Phoenix, uh, because— This week started with Earl Watson losing his job and ended with Phoenix uh, looking like the 1988 Los Angeles Lakers. Just kidding. But (sighs) Che Triano comes in, and I always love these uh, new coach things, the new coach Mm -hmm. bounce, because the coach, like, the things that the players say are inevitably unintentionally such an, like, like a, a complete insult to the past coach. Like the, yeah. it's it's like these guys are like, Oh, now we're being held accountable to play defense. It's like what what were you doing before? before right. right. And it, there was like lots of stories about like Marquise Chris would get upset and uh, like Earl Watson would take him out to dinner and tell him told him you loved him. Like, no joke, that's what he would do. And it just sounds like just very basically Triano has installed some defensive concepts that the <laughs> Sons have responded to with right. two straight victories, right? Well, it seemed like Earl Watson just,
2: like, was a patchwork, like, higher, you know? And I think that as we see more of Triano's tenure, you're going to see, like, the sense of, like, oh, we actually were not a very competitive basketball team because, partly because of Earl Watson, but also they have a young roster, you know? Like, why anything they get this season is kind of just, like, you know, a plus moving forward. Yeah.
1: The argument I was making as all this was going down is a lot of this seemed to me like confirmation bias. Like, if I told you before the season... That the Suns fired Earl Watson. You would probably say, Yeah, that makes sense. He's a terrible coach. Right. Yeah. So how can you say he's a terrible coach, but also say they're like they're just a mess for having fired him this early into the season? Like I looked at their team too. I mean, they're not going to be good, but they have some stuff. Like we were saying before, the offense is there. They have a lot of interesting pieces. I think on the right night, it comes together. Uh and I just look at that as just the high variance there, and a lot of these yeah. young guys, maybe one night they're not going to have it. You look at Lonzo Ball; uh, he looks terrible against Patrick Beverly, but the next night he looks fine. So right. these right. things are going to happen.
0: I think with with the Suns, it was probably more like, I don't, you, you know, they if if Earl Watson wasn't the guy, what made him the guy during preseason? And the first two games, like, right. is it? Right. How, how did it get so bad so fast that you needed to reverse course and buy him out of his contract? Basically, Eric
2: Bledsoe's tweet.
0: Yeah, Eric Bledsoe's <laughs> tweet. I guess one thing I thought was kind of electrifying last night watching them against the Jazz was just like they were just moving the ball much better, and like Bender had some like touch passes from the wing. And Jackson had like Love this no look wrap around <laughs> behind the back pass, like to Len. They have all these guys that like draft have been super high on for right. a long time. It'll, I'm not saying that they're gonna be good, but it'll be, if they could play competently, it would be really exciting to watch Chris Bender and uh, Jackson and Warren on a nightly basis with Booker.
1: Yeah. If we're going forward with these rosters, would you rather have theirs or the Indiana Pacers? Pacers mm-hmm. are good too. That's well, has <laughs> been really fun. Well, and I Old just Depot I mean, we we complain simultaneously now that these teams aren't playing for the long term. We're yeah, saying yeah. like, "Oh, the middle of the NBA is so bad." And then we're simultaneously saying, "Oh my god, they're so bad. Like this is a, a complete train wreck." Like which one do you want? Here? Which one do you yeah. want? I would prefer the Suns. Yeah. Like, if you're the Suns going forward, you have a lot of young guys. They're doing the right thing. They're doing the Russell Westbrook sort of thing and letting them play through mistakes, Yeah, unlike, let's say, Markel Foltz, mm-hmm. only playing him 20 minutes, which you're I You're fired think, up today. Wow. I'm a little yeah.
0: bit. You, you're fired up today.
1: <laughs> I love sports. <laughs> Um, But I I don't know. I just think this makes so much more sense than just, like, going for the eighth seed, which we hammer teams about just later in the season.
0: Yeah.
2: But we just got done talking about the magic and how, you know, it might be good for them to to aim for the eighth seed. So, it's I guess, how do you look at that? Because you have two different types of teams, which is like a young young team moving forward, but also the middling team that it might be good for them to to aim for that seventh seed or something. Well, here's where
0: the conferences come into play, because I think in the West you don't really have a choice. It's like— There are so many good teams in the Western Conference that you're really, if you're a bad, a mediocre to bad team, you're playing at the, your best case scenario is playing for seventh or eighth seed, probably eighth seed. Whereas in the Eastern Conference, I st- I'm not even sure I know who's good anymore. I mean, we were right. just joking yeah. about the Cavs, but if the Cavs decide to take the regular season off, even if LeBron doesn't, what is gonna what does that do to the trickle down effect of the Sixers can beat can be at least competitive on any given night. Mm -hmm. The Pistons, you never know what you're going to get. The Hornets are good, maybe. The Magic are good, maybe. The Nets are winning games. Like, I don't... You could could say that three through eight in the East is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, like four through eight.
2: The Knicks are bad, though. We know that. (laughs) The Knicks are bad. We know that. Even the Wizards, like, John Wall can be the best point guard on the planet, and we're still not going to trust them because their bench is so bad. I think they're, like, their starters are 7th in net rating or something like that and their bench is already in the bottom 10. Right, they're just picking just, up right where they
0: left off. Yeah.
1: yeah, if anything, the Magic are the case study that I'm kind of talking about. They tanked and they did the quote-unquote right thing, but they just didn't do it enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they ended up 4, or 5, not getting those kind Have of a prospects. Have you not seen,
0: you don't know about the 6-year Hazonia plan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're building <laughs> him up.
1: Apparently he's like a Shooting guard, but also like a center now. Kevin wow. Clark was trying to explain to me how they're like testing him out at the forum. Like they're how big pl- is this guy? They're not even playing him.
0: Yeah. It's wild. Like DJ Augustine is getting minutes wow. and Hazonia will come on for like a four minute stretch and then be gone.
1: He's actually a zero. Yeah. He doesn't have anything.
0: What's what's wrong with him? He's just he's not an NBA he's just, player. Cause
1: cause rough, he's just not
2: good. That's a rough run of the draft picks. I mean, Hazonia, uh, Peyton, they're not playing either. Yeah.
0: oladipo was gone. So. Lose, like passing up on Saric. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Nice point there. Sixers fan, Chris Ryan.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's finish up. One one thing I wanted to talk about before we got out of here in this first segment is just with the Suns, um, one person we didn't talk about at all was Eric Bledsoe. Uh, And now the Suns have basically a depreciated asset on their hands. At one point, Bledsoe was being mentioned in uh, Kyrie Irving talks and Kevin Love talks. You know, the Suns imagine themselves as a destination for top tier talent um, the fact that Eric Bledsoe is a clutch client should not go unremarked upon. Um, but what do you do with a guy who doesn't want to be there on a team where you probably don't even want him there, but you're now not going to be able to get the th- what you thought you were going to get in return?
1: Yeah, I think it goes to your point that maybe they waited just a little bit too long to take action. Like maybe these are the type of things you figure out in the offseason. Maybe they just hoped that Bledsoe would play a little bit better. I know they shut him down. Uh, at the end of last season, and so maybe they wanted to kind of clear up that that wasn't actually a big deal. Uh, he's had injuries in the past. He's going to be a bit free agent, so there are a lot of things complicating the picture. Teams might get desperate toward the middle of the season. Maybe a mm. team like the Orlando Magic comes calling and yeah. is like, hey, we yeah. want to make a push now. Give us more for it. Uh, I still think he can help a team, and if a team like the Cavs, for instance, want to pack specifically the Brooklyn Nets pick, uh, maybe the Denver Nuggets is a team I would look to. Yeah. They're not looking too good there. I feel yeah. like they need a bump. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes.
2: That's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm more curious about to see where he goes, and I think the Nuggets are an interesting um, place because I'm kind of worried about them. You know, we were kind of hyping them up going into the season, and suddenly it turns look, out Jameer Nelson was the key to everything. Yeah, apparently, yeah. like Richard Jefferson has not played a single second. So I'm almost like, why did you make that move? And I don't know if I'm putting too much too much faith in Jameer Nelson in 2017, which is a weird thing to say, but.
0: Well, it's you know, funny to look at some of, of these teams because they're like, you know, they're like kind of a grab bag. You know, the Magic are very much like just like a gra- like Jonathan Simmons, but also Terrence Ross, but also right. Vuk and then also Jonathan Isaac, and mm-hmm. it's like they, they don't necessarily rosters don't make a lot of sense. The Nuggets, who I think we were all very high on, if you take a step back, you're kind of like, wait a second, does this work mm-hmm. to have Millsap and Jokic? Like they, it should work. Those guys are both very like like lovely players who share the ball but there's something not clicking there yet. And I'm sure that they'll eventually get it worked out. I just, I'm not sure that, I think they need a point guard. Yeah, you know what definitely. I mean? And I, I don't think a is the guy and, and, and they gave up on Jameer. Um, let's just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be back to talk about the Sixers. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by DraftKings.com. It is week seven and football season is in full swing, which begs the question, How is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round, or your first-round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee. The good news is it is not too late to forget the injuries and get back in the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. With DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has a beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. There's no better way to turn your love of football into cash this Sunday. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code BASKETBALL, ironically, to play free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code basketball to play free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million. Classic Austin Powers joke. DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com for more details. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. I tend to leave things to the last minute. But if you do that for Halloween coming next week, that means you end up rummaging through the dregs of the party store trying to scrounge up a costume that will work. Like, okay, I guess I will go as angry Frank Vogel this year. Right? Classic costume. When it comes to booking a hotel, though, being last minute actually works in your favor as long as you've got the Hotel Tonight app. You can play it by ear and see how your Halloween goes. Maybe you need to ghost and find somewhere to escape to. Or maybe you'll find the Bonnie to your Clyde or the Clyde to your Bonnie and want to keep the night going. Or if you are the type who started planning your Halloween costume last November 1st and you like to have things locked down ahead of time, you can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. In some cities, you can book up to 100 days in advance. With Hotel Tonight, you'll bag a sweet deal at a killer hotel. Whether you need a room for today, for Halloween, or beyond, you'll definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. We're back, NBA group chat, Justin, Paolo, me, Chris Ryan, Philadelphia 76ers fan. Uh, I went on two podcasts yesterday to talk about the Sixers, so I feel like the world definitely has their fill of my takes. You're the go-to guy. uh, How should I be feeling, and how big of a deal is this Markel Fultz thing?
1: I think you should be feeling fine. It's a nice day out in Los Angeles, so there's that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's apparently a hummingbird outside (laughs) the studio. exactly.
1: It's a sign that things are changing. Yeah. Uh, you know, nope. It's not going to be 100 today because <laughs> birds
0: are still alive. I'm wearing
1: my midweight flannel today yeah. as opposed oh my to my God. lighter ones. Justin
0: keeps it 100 degrees. Uh, yeah. He wears the flannel every day no matter whether there's a, a heat warning or I not. I respect it, to yeah. be honest.
1: Yeah, I don't tell everyone in the office, but my office is actually very cold. <laughs> but I don't want anyone actually going in there and bothering me, so Smart. don't tell anyone. Smart. Fans, two fans, mom. Um, so when I look at the whole situation... I don't know what's going on with the medical stuff. Yeah. I don't think anybody really knows. I think there's a lot of hypothesis out there. I think it's been clouded a lot by Raymond Brothers, his agent, going out there and trying to control the narrative, mm-hmm. but in fact actually just kind of not getting the injury correct. <laughs> so that's a bad thing. But I think I look at it, it seems like a pretty much a failure on the Sixers' part of messaging. Um, I don't know what's going on with the med staff. There's a lot of cloud there. Uh, I think it's a gray area. Even when you talk to medical people, they'll tell you, hey, I mean, you can't even really tell what's going on inside one person's staff. Uh, But what you have here is a lot of confusion. Yeah. And confusion leads to anger. And I think when you've been told as a Sixers fan, hey, wait, we're doing this the right way. Uh, Give it some time. We'll be better off for it. And then now we're here and things are still a little questionable. Right. Right. I think that's where the,
2: the kind of the bad thing comes. Well, I think from. they just lose it they've lost the benefit of the doubt. That's the problem with is, with these injuries, yeah. you know, and they just had a history of them. And I think it's kind of interesting and important, I think, to focus on Markel a little bit because he's getting a bad rap for, like for you know what I'm saying? Like he's a young kid who is just trying to make it in the league, you know, has all the pressure of a number one draft pick and he's just been thrown into this, you know. Whirling dervish of controversy and drama and unnecessary, really, for the most part. And I wonder how what his role is in all of this, and I wonder if
0: yeah, how much this will affect this him is, going forward. This is a this is a tough one. This has got actually it, it weirdly got darker for me yeah. yesterday afternoon when Brett Brown did his press conference before the Rockets game, and he was pretty clear that Mark it was Markel's choice to change his shot. Like, th- there's, there's been a lot of, like, was it the shoulder injury that changed his shot, that you know, he changed his mechanics to compensate for the shoulder injury? Or did the changed mechanics cha- hurt his shoulder? Yeah. And there, there's been, like, a lot of, like... Chicken or the egg kind of and thing. And also, yeah. when were they notified? What is actually the extent of the damage? And how much is the damage contributing to his poor shooting? Mm-hmm. And when you get into agent, personal trainer, general manager, and coach all kind of singing from different hymn books that's very bad for a rookie number one pick that you do not want to be in that place so for as much as I'm like yo look at Wiggins's lines from his first three games like I I can cut and paste and screenshot box scores all night long of like different rookies having bad nights it just doesn't matter we'll find out who Markel Fultz is a year from now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this handling of it is why this is such an emergency. And I think that there is a degree to which it's a product of like people trolling Sixers fans about Markel Fultz's shot and everybody gets hysterical and gets defensive. And then th- other people realize they're getting a reaction from Sixers fans. So they do it more. You
1: guys are a little sensitive.
0: Yeah, yeah. we're it's, a little it's, sensitive. It's a fun I think, cycle. I think there is <laughs> it, there is a degree to which like it's, it's definitely something to talk about. I mean, the Sixers yeah. give you stuff to talk about all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty telling that the agent came out speaking with, to your point. Yeah. Like, the fact that he had to go outside the team, and even the story that got put up on ESPN didn't include, like, the Sixers' perspective there. And they didn't even react right away with a press release or anything about that until this press conference the next day. And so, clearly, there are different sides of the story. Maybe the Sixers don't think it's as serious as the agent does. Obviously, an agent— like His goal is to make his client look the best out of this whole thing. Maybe Fultz was feeling bad about all the negative publicity he was getting from this. So I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think they're doing what's best for Fultz. Like, giving him three games to cool off. They don't need him, clearly. They're still competitive. Uh, I just want to see him play through mistakes, as mm-hmm. we, we pointed to yesterday, uh, just earlier right there. Uh, I just think... He's only getting 20 minutes a game. Let's see him play more there, even if it means losses in the interim.
2: Yeah. It just creates a – you know, the whole thing has created a weird cloud over the team. So when you you see Ben Simmons, like, go off, you're like, but Marco faults. So if they're taking him out of the equation, it almost – just lends itself better to the franchise going forward, at least for this season, because then you can be like, okay, let's focus on what's actually happened on the court and Embiid is staying healthy. Ben Simmons is playing great. Robert Covington is actually, you know, making a lot of threes. So, in that sense, it was a good move, but, you know, the journey to getting there, it was a bit rocky.
0: Yeah, it's a, they're actually a good one and four. They were in the Wizards game to the end, they played the Celtics pretty tight, got rocked by the Raptors, beat the Pistons, and were beating the Rockets until the last second of last night's game when Eric Gordon beat them on a the last second shot. Right. So there's a lot to be happy about. They're competitive every night, and has been playing. They they're they've been getting contributions down their bench from guys like even like Justin Anderson last night played well. I do think that your point about what are we doing here with like Jared Bayless getting Markel Fultz's minutes, I don't mm-hmm. actually think it's a Ben or Markel thing. I think it's a, are we really going to play like some of these veteran guys and are, are Bayless and to some extent, maybe even McConnell because Brett Brown can rely on them already taking minutes that Markel needs to fail and then succeed.
1: Yeah. If there's a problem with the process that I have, It's that it took forever to get these guys, which is great. I think they're better off for it. I was just caping for the Suns for this very reason. But now that they have it, you need even more patience. They Mm -hmm. actually need to become good NBA players. You forget that Ben Simmons is like 30 now. Uh, Joel Embiid (laughs) has been in the league. like He's already signing a second extension. (laughs) Like These guys have had time to become what they are. I think you need another year of development. Uh, I think you need another off season to get another guy in there, and then let's see what they are. Let's say next season is the year we can sure. really expect something it's
2: from. It's like them. the Nets thing. I mean, you know, not to go back to them, but they're letting their young guys fail. They have zero expectations. don't yeah. right, exactly. they, they
0: can't even really like be like we have to tank. They don't even have their pick. So right. why not play a certain style? Which was always the reason why Brett Brown was in, is to create like a culture, a basketball on court culture that you could then plug increasingly talented players into. But there would be sort of an institutional knowledge of how they want to play fast paced shoot threes you know like that and that's what Brooklyn is actually doing Mm -hmm. Brooklyn is going to keep putting and the more that they increase the value of guys like Rondé Hollis Jefferson the more that they could actually wedge their way back into, like, hey, you know, we could be a player for a trade because a bunch of our weird pieces that we've accumulated might be attractive to a team who's looking to flip something here. Like yeah, Spencer think- Dinwiddie, if he has like 15 more games like that, is all of a sudden an asset. Right.
1: Yeah, I heard Bill mention when you guys were talking yesterday just that the trade almost. Uh, work is working against them Yes. Because they put their yeah. foot in the ground and they said, this is our team, which is so anti-Sam Hinky, anti-process, which is like, we'll just take the best available thing and then figure it out later. We'll collect all these assets because eventually they will build they into something. They targeted an
0: off-ball point guard who can score his right. ass off, could play next to Simmons. Everything yep. about it was like it made sense. I would do that trade 100 out of 100 times.
2: Sure. I think it's interesting that the process... The culture it kind of brought, which is these teams rebuilding, and mm-hmm. you can kind of pinpoint them out. But now you get to see who can actually develop, which yes. I think is the interesting yeah, thing. That going is forward, actually pretty cool. You know?
0: It's it's cool to be like at this point now where you're like, who's got the coaching staff right. who can make, you know, guys who have tools but aren't quite players into players. Right. Yeah, you know that's why you got you almost have to like take a step back and be like, man, the pretty pretty impressive what the Bucks are able to do. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. the Bucks have guys who are like. Screw it. Let's just get tall guys and like and let's get freak <laughs> athletes and see what happens down the line. Great, and like they're they're just they've made smart moves. That kind of brings me to a thing. We haven't really talked about the Bucs. We've talked a lot about Giannis. But we haven't talked much about Milwaukee this season. There's a couple of teams out there that are doing things. I just wanted to quickly say, and I know that like this is a very basketball internet thing to be like, we're not talking about the Spurs <laughs> enough. But can we just mention the fact that uh the Spurs are just like they're kind of just ridiculous. Like I was watching them against the Heat last night and Dejounte Murray didn't score Mm -hmm. and they like pretty soundly beat the Heat and I I was just like blown away by it. Also just like, they look like they're playing 1998 basketball now with, like, Marcus Aldridge taking 28 shots from the post. Right. And it's just wild. Yeah, <laughs>
1: believe it or not, they handled the LaMarcus Aldridge situation absolutely perfectly. <laughs> like, he was such, like, kind of an unknown going into the season. Shea Serrano was, like, catatonic. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they give him an extension. He's there for the long term, and he's, like, he's freaking George Mikit. It's like yeah.
0: a reverse
2: contract year. Yeah. You yes, know? exactly.
0: And also, apparently, it takes a year for Danny Green's LASIK
2: surgery to kick in because <laughs> he's <laughs> awesome again now. Yeah. I think, no, sorry, I was going to say, like, I think it's interesting about the style that they're playing. They're, I think they went into last night's game shooting 17 threes per game. Uh-huh. And I think it was like four, at least four threes lower than any other team yeah. in the league. So they're just completely being like, no, we're just going to do it our way. We're just going to feed it to Lamarcus, you know, have these young guards develop. And Jontae has been amazing so far and just like shoot in the paint and shoot two pointers. I think it's like 80% of their shots have been two pointers, which is, you know, not
0: what the league is doing. So I think
2: it's interesting to see how that holds up going forward. Yeah, his
0: whole market inefficiency idea of exploiting the mid-range, right. uh, you know, and also their idea like some of their idea defensively, ideas defensively about shutting down certain parts of the floor that teams have overcommitted to yeah. and like just just crowding out that three-point line. Um did you guys know that Kyle Anderson is the real Lonzo Ball and has been here the whole time? <laughs> Slow-mo. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, we should have seen this coming. I yeah. think we were talking about this like two weeks ago, that yeah. Kyle Anderson's going to be a max player.
0: <laughs> um, any other teams that we're not talking about that you guys wanted to highlight?
1: I really like the Blazers, what they're doing. I mean, you got to look at the sample size because they played the Suns, yeah, which that, completely throws the, the off The differential everything. is
0: rocked by that.
1: I know. But they're top three on offense and top three on defense. Uh, we went into the season saying if Nurkic is kind of the difference there, mm-hmm. uh, they could be pretty good. And I, I think so far it's worked out. I really like Caleb Swanigan. He's like the type of guy that's just like older. He's gritty. Like he was getting in Boogie's face a little bit. And he's yeah. just like a plug and play guy. And in a conference like that, like just to round out what they already had, which was good. I think they're pretty interesting to me.
0: I'm pitching my Wedding Crasher sequel with Zach Collins and Myers Letter. <laughs> Is he even Love playing? Love <laughs> it. I can't tell, honestly. <laughs> uh,
2: what about you, pal? I think I'm going to go with the Raptors because I think yeah. that, you know, they lost last night in a very poetic way, which was, they were tied, I think, and DeMar DeRozan missed the mid-range jumper. Then Steph came back and hit a three. I missed the just, old Raptors. Just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, just perfect. And I think, but they're, they, they're kind of trying to reinvent themselves. They've looked pretty good so far. Obviously competitive against the Warriors. I'm really curious to see when it comes to head that you know we're trying to shoot more threes but we don't have good three point shooters you know and I think they've played well so far with, with the guy and I think that's kind of the story with the Raptors always is the regular season is kind of their bread and butter but
0: what happens when it comes to the postseason. So they I'm I'm really intrigued by them and I don't think we're, you know, talking about them enough. Masai should make a deadline day move of trading a back to Orlando for Hazonia, <laughs> for Hazonia. And then turn Hazonia into a stretch four.
1: But this kind of all hits on what you've been talking about. Like teams trying to conform to the era we're playing in mm-hmm. versus just doing what they yeah. do. And the Spurs are kind of the shining right. example of hey, we have these guys. Let's just figure out what's best for them and clearly it's working. Like yeah. Rudy gay is an actual NBA player. Yeah,
0: right it's now. strange. I think that uh, with the Raptors, what I, I, I don't object to what they're doing. What I object to is the think, thinking that Dwayne Casey and this roster can conform to that. Like, if like, bring mm-hmm. in a new coach if you want, just probably because by the playoffs, these guys need to hear a different voice by now anyway. And also, your personnel just doesn't match up with playing run-and-gun pace-and-space right. style. Right. You know, then there's teams, but I think that Raptors almost might be too talented to do that because teams like the Pacers, who are now just like running all over the place, are doing so because they're like, well, what are we going to do? Like, like yeah. play ISO for for Oladipo? I guess he's scoring 26 points yeah. a game, so if you wanted to, that might be a good idea. But yeah, that's that's been sort of my, I've been really fascinated by that and watching, you know, it's some teams that I think that like we all had a lot of time for, like the Grizz, kind of dismantle their identity for and they're they're having a decent start to the season but you're just kind of like okay so but like you guys got to get shooters then. You guys got to get young then. You guys got to run if right. you're going to do that.
1: This is really the, the best point in the season to talk about teams like the Spurs and the Raptors. Because I feel like in a month or two, we're going to be like, oh, my God, these guys are just doing the same thing. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to be able to make it in the postseason.
0: Right. So. The Spurs will be same like 16-3, and three, yeah. and then we'll just be like, yeah, but like they're going to get smoked by the Clippers. In this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: this is a, con- a concern troll, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get right? into our concern troll.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's get into the concern troll of the week. Uh, Justin, okay. I want to hear from you.
1: I think I understand the concept now.
0: Good, I'm glad. (laughs) spent a lot of time on Know Your Meme.
1: (laughs) I I actually don't understand the concept, but I'm going to shoot for it. Uh, just
0: for anybody who doesn't know, concern troll is when <laughs> you are basically pointing out something and saying that you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm concerned about this maybe not working out for this guy." When it's like, "You really don't need to be concerned. This team is doing fine or you know, right. they're they're doing well. You don't have to concern troll the Warriors about being bored, you yeah. know." We're explaining the internet now yeah. to yes. me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you just there's a series of like it's like c- connectivity between computers, right? Sure. And uh, <laughs> you, you know, you basically Keep can type going. in information, get information back. It's a great thing. It's beautiful.
1: Uh, so I am concerned that LeBron might be too good of a point guard, especially when compared to the other Cleveland Cavaliers. This is good. Uh, I don't know. Uh, LeBron's doing a lot. I love it as a fantasy owner of LeBron James. It's, <laughs> it's really great and he looks great out there. He's just blocking dudes like yeah. the one he had against the net last night where he just let someone go up and then just swatted it into the stands like that's prime LeBron. I love seeing it. He's such a fun player, but I look around, I don't know, they still seem to have the same sort of issues. Like We made all this uh, fuss over the trades they made, but they really just have kind of the same team they had last year where the defense isn't there. They're really heavy in the front court, which is why they're trying out Love at the Five to begin with. And I think because of that, you get games like last night where the Brooklyn Nets can just kind of sneak up on them.
0: I think that with the the Cavs, it's one of those... It, it We'll see how good Ty Lu is. Because we're probably not going to know how good this team is until after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, what you're saying is actually true, which is that LeBron is already in, like, I want to win the MVP LeBron mode, and I'm playing against Brooklyn on the second night of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It's, I'm happy to see LeBron at any night I can. But they're old, and yeah. I don't know what their defensive philosophy is. And I don't know what, like, he's already changed the lineup, starting lineup once. To bring Jr. Smith back in and put Wade on the bench, and Rose has already been injured, and you know there's just like a lot of guys who are a lot used to doing a lot of freelancing, from Rose to Wade to Smith, and LeBron likes to have a lot of control. So whether it's Coach LeBron or Coach Lou, it'll be fascinating to see like what this Cavs team is in January or February. It's almost like they miss Kyrie right a little bit. I mean, (laughs) too soon. <laughs> well, they probably miss being the same team over and over again. I think yeah. that this is a gamble and they may wind up losing LeBron James in the process next summer, but they had to try something different. I mean, plus side we get to watch like
2: unstoppable LeBron every night. You yeah. know, last night he was so fun to watch. I mean, if the if he's just going to be that good, then they're always going to be in it. What's in your concern mind. troll of the week? My concern troll is Draymond Green at the podium or being interviewed because i think that this may be like a heat check thing for draymond at this point like this may be the year where it could backfire on the warriors maybe i could see it happening because we're four games in and there's so much material that you know like last night he was like our defense sucks which is like you know like you can say that because you're draymond green but at some point i wonder if there's people who are like maybe don't always say what you're thinking (laughs) at the same time though like as a consumer i'm like i'm all for it like I almost think that they should give the time they're giving to LeVar Ball to Draymond Green, like just give him all the mic space, you know. But at the same, but in the same way, like when is Draymond going to say something that might actually be like problematic? So
0: that's fine. Like that is that is one thing, and I'm sure that like when Draymond Green says something truly egregious, we'll all freak out, and it'll be like three days of hot, of hot takes about it. What he's doing now is actually kind of smart. Because the Warriors are fine. They're probably a little out of shape. They probably are a little annoyed at like teams getting really G'd up in, to play against them, uh, which seems like they are a little bit this season compared to maybe last season, where I felt like teams were like, can we just get out of here without getting too injured? But what Draymond's kind of doing reminds me a lot of what Jose Mourinho does as a manager. He mm-hmm. used to do m- more when it was like Chelsea, at, like that first era. But... Um, Basically, anytime anything goes wrong, he distracts from that narrative by being like the ref was a coward and like mm-hmm. everybody just talks about that. So yeah. now I don't even know that I can tell you whether the Warriors look good or bad because all I know is what Draymond has said mm-hmm. after the game. He's kind of like in a vacuum of people being like, well, the Warriors don't look that like sharp yet. <laughs> He's been like, I will talk. And now none of those guys have to talk. We don't talk about Durant. We don't talk about Steph that they both got thrown out in the same yeah. game. Yeah. And if they were if he had come out and just been like, "Well, you got to ask those guys about it. I don't know whether the pressure's getting to them or what." Right. He came out and he was just like, "No. Yeah, they should be suspended." And he was just kidding around, but I think it's actually like a good move because they do have guys like Steph, Clay, and Kevin. And even though those guys have gotten more and more comfortable in the spotlight, they're not like big I can deflect guys. They're way more like, I'm going to take this personally, guys. So, you know what I mean? Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it's actually kind of a smart move on his part. No, I, 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 like, enjoy it. I'm just saying that, you know,
2: we, we talk about, about a lot about what's going to motivate the Warriors this year. Because last year it was, you know, KD getting his revenge and, you know, getting his title and all that. And I think that this year maybe the motivating factor is Draymond, yeah. <laughs> like, in a way. So in, in that way, you're right. Like, it, it is probably good for the team, especially early on when, you know. Kurt says they're out of shape. Any yeah. Warriors thoughts?
1: I'm just a little concerned that Kevin Durant is just like his chill bra like attitude <laughs> to everything has really just infected the rest of the team. Yeah. Like why is Steph Curry throwing things at people? What happened to you, Steph Curry? I know. Get I like k- it. He should be in the kitchen making some nice like pasta so with his wife. So you don't like
0: dark Steph? <coughs> no, I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but I'm just a little concerned about yeah? it. Yeah.
0: Um, My concern troll of the week is, is Eric Gordon too good? Mm, We were really really worried about there only being one ball for James Harden and Chris Paul. Mm. What's going to happen when Chris Paul comes back and there's only one ball for Eric Gordon? (laughs) Yeah. Eric Gordon's dope. Eric Gordon is playing out of his mind yes. this week. He uh, like basically beat the Warriors by himself and then beat the Sixers by himself. Those are exactly the same things. They're both wins. <laughs> you get the same amount of credit for that. Um, no, Eric Gordon's fantastic and I I I was almost blown away by the way in which the Rockets just played so beautifully without Paul the last couple of nights mm. and you know Capella looks like DeAndre Jordan 2.0. Uh, Ryan Anderson comes in shoots from 40 feet a couple times but Eric Gordon is the guy who just seems to be like growing and growing in yeah. this offense and taking on more and more and adding different elements to his game. He's been one of like, my favorite players to watch this season. I, I just don't want to see him limited when they bring Paul back, I guess, but that that it's not really much of a concern. Well, I think the Rockets as a whole have looked a lot better without Chris Paul, which is another yeah.
2: interesting concern troll of you well, you know, like how are they going to look When he comes back and... I mean, he literally
0: played one game on a bad knee, so that's fine. But Clippers fans know many games Chris Paul plays one game with a bad... You know, it plays with a bad knee, so... Yeah. I don't know if this is good or bad for the Rockets, because on the one hand,
1: James Harden slides back into more of the distributing role. Mm -hmm. He's featuring Eric Gordon. So he's showing that he can let someone else shine, but I think when Paul and Harden get together, I think you're looking for the inverse, like you want Harden more off the ball more as a scorer whereas you want Paul as the one setting him up. I don't know. I I think it could be either really good or really bad.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be probably like an excellent regular season team, but when possessions start to get tighter and there needs to be a little bit more of a internal logic to who is the A, B, C option, how are you going to set up a rotation? Is it is it these guys and then Paul comes out. Paul comes back in with a second unit and feasts on the second unit. Like, how is that going to work out? And obviously, with these dudes, health is always going to be a concern. I mean, we haven't really, despite like the, you know, Lynn and Hayward injuries, we'll have to see how some of these teams get affected when. Melo misses four or six weeks or you know, Paul obviously out for a month. It's gonna be a you know it's going to be an interesting adjustment when he comes back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Banking banking these wins though, it's gonna help.
0: That is good. It makes it easier. We'll be back next Thursday for another episode of NBA Group Chat. Until then for Justin and Paolo. My name is Chris Ryan. Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. You can play it by ear and see how your Halloween goes. Or if you're the type of person who started planning your Halloween costume on November 1st of last year and you like to have things locked down ahead of time, you can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. Even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. With Hotel Tonight, you'll bag a sweet deal at a killer hotel. Whether you need a room for today, for Halloween, or beyond, you will definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app.